Do you have a friend who tells you what you need to hear even if you don't want to? Today we're going to be looking into the prophet Nathan to see how he spoke what God wanted him to speak to King David even when it was difficult and probably uncomfortable. That's what we'll be discussing today on Christ, Culture, and Coffee. This is Christ, Culture, and Coffee, a podcast designed to help equip Christians to be able to defend their faith and be confident in their faith. Hey, welcome to Christ, Culture, and Coffee. We are back with our fourth installment of our Unsung Heroes uh, episodes. So I'm glad yeah. to kind of finalize this series today and talk about a really cool guy that doesn't get a lot of play in Scripture. Yeah, that's right. Uh, Nathan's talked about a lot uh, as kind of just like the guy who's on the sidelines with David. Yeah. Um, but he's not really uh, really given enough recognition for the work that he did, uh, I don't think, and Honestly, it's just cool to see his story and see the person that he was in Scripture and the example that he left behind for someone we should imitate. Yeah, it really is. Um, I appreciate this guy, and hopefully we can give you some cool insights into some things you might not know about him, and then we'll see how we can apply it to our lives. Before we get into that, though, we want to remind you, uh, if you're listening on the podcast, we are now on YouTube. Mm -hmm. You can watch us, right, Uh, and see what's going on here in the studio. Uh, So we'd appreciate if you would subscribe to our YouTube channel. But also follow us on Instagram, follow us on um, our Facebook group, Christ Mm -hmm. Culture and Coffee Insiders. We've been having some really good conversations on there with people. Um, So yeah, appreciate all of you that do follow, but tell your friends. uh, We'd love to be able to impact more people with truth. Yes, that would be great. And then for those of you that are watching on YouTube, uh, you can see in the background we have this sign from our friend Matthew. Yes. Yeah, he designed it from SE Collective. Uh, He can do personal designs for you. He lives in the Phoenix area. If you want to look up his Instagram account, it's on SE Collective without an E. And you can look at all of his pictures and see the stuff he's done. He's done a great job. Yeah, highly recommend you go check out what he's doing. All right. Well, coffee tip for today, because it's Christ Culture and Coffee. We always mm-hmm. like to give coffee tips. And this is about a coffee accompaniment. Interesting. Are you ready, Tyler? I'm going to coffee shops um, a lot, obviously a lot, and um, I'm seeing this new thing that everybody's raving about. Yeah, right. It's called, <laughs> and maybe you've seen it, it's called oat milk. Have you checked this out yet? Oat milk. You know, I ha- I've heard milk. of almond milk. I get almond milk pretty yeah. often. It's, it's amazing how they milk those almonds. It's like I know, I know. You gotta I, have it, tiny it's got to be so hard because yeah. the nipples on the almonds have just got to be so <laughs> small. it got to be really small. Yeah, yeah it's like... Utterly <laughs> ridiculous. It's utterly... <laughs> I'm sorry. Yeah, yeah, it is. So anyway, uh, oat milk, what is it? Well, um, it's a lot processed like almond milk, actually. And they don't actually milk almonds, for those of you out there Googling, how does that work? Um, (laughs) What they do with almond milk is they'll blend up almonds and they soak them in water. Yeah. And then what gets extracted in the water, they call that almond milk. Same process with oat milk. They take steel-cut oats, you know, oatmeal, basically, and they soak it in water. And then they pass the water through a, a cheesecloth, or actually they have a nut milk cloth that you, oh, you pass it through. So it traps all of the par- particles of the nuts or of the oats, and then you get the liquid that comes through. So that is what oat milk is. Um, and people are saying they like it better than almond milk because it's creamier. Mm. And, and the reason is, is that oats absorb – I mean, this only makes sense. Oats absorb water easier than nuts do. Okay, that makes, makes sense? sense, yeah. So oat milk um, is a little bit creamier because it extracts a little bit more out of the oats than almonds would be extracted. So uh, I, I highly recommend trying it. I tried it, and it tastes pretty good. Yeah, especially um, if maybe you're lactose intolerant and you need a substitute. Yeah. That might be a little better. It's a very good dairy substitute. So <clears throat> right. um, I know some people who just like the taste too, right? Because you got that grainy... Uh, oatmeal-type yeah, taste. Yeah, it's kind of right. nice sometimes. So, yeah, it, it adds a new dimension to your coffee with whatever you're drinking, your latte or whatever. Mm-hmm. But um, recommend you try out oat milk. Let us know what you think about it. Uh, and, and if you have a brand that you specifically like... That's really good. Let us yeah. know, and maybe we'll try it on the air or something. So. Yeah, because I know a lot of coffee shops. I've been seeing it around. I mean, yeah. like even at Starbucks, they've got uh, this oat milk as... A supplement for the drinks. And so I guess it's kind of becoming a thing. No, it is becoming a thing. So, uh, yeah. Yeah. So that's the coffee tip for today. Try some oat milk. Tell us what you think. Yeah, Yeah. that'd be great. Yeah, let us know because I haven't tried it yet. Yeah, you should try it. I'm a little nervous about it. (laughs) I like my almond milk. (laughs) Almond milk's fine, man, but I think oat milk's a little bit better. Okay. Okay. Check it out. I'll I'll take your word on that. All right. So there's your coffee tip for the day. Now, let's get into talking about our last unsung hero, Nathan. 
Yeah. Uh, this is a really interesting character to me. So we find Nathan the prophet mentioned a few times in the Old Testament, uh, and we're going to focus on three main stories where we find him being mentioned. These are kind of the three big things uh, that he did. Now, there is a total of 11 individuals yeah. named Nathan in the Old Testament. So you don't want to conflate them. They're not all the same person. We're talking about the specific Nathan, the prophet. Uh, we learned that he was the prophet to uh, King David and to King Solomon. Yes, that's right. So this is the time period that he lived in, right? During Saul, David, and Solomon's reigns in Israel. Yeah, and something that's interesting, kind of a reoccurring theme that we're seeing with uh, a lot of these unsung heroes is they all have something unique about their name. Mm -hmm. And what's cool about Nathan's name is uh, that the name Nathan uh, literally means he he gave, meaning God, God gave, or a gift of God. Those are yeah. the two different uh, interpretations of that name. And so that's really interesting. It's a reoccurring theme that we've been seeing through these unsung heroes is they all have something unique about their name, right? Yes, yeah, it's yeah. true. Yeah, gift of God is a really good. Mm -hmm. um, that, I'd like to have that name. That'd be nice. Yeah, right? yeah. Any of these, honestly, <laughs> that we've been going over, it's yeah, pretty it's cool. Pretty cool. Um, so we learn a couple of things. Um, Nathan's obviously a prophet, an advisor to kings, uh, but we also learn that he was a writer. Uh, I think this is really interesting, and this is kind of a side note. These aren't the the major sure. um, stories about him, but in First Chronicles twenty nine twenty nine through thirty, it says this. Now the acts of King David from first to last are written in the chronicles of Samuel the seer, in the chronicles of Nathan the prophet, and in the chronicles of Gad the seer, with all his reign, his power, and the circumstances which came on him on Israel and all the kingdoms of the land. So we know that Nathan wrote down Chronicles of Nathan the prophet that talked about some of the exploits and things went, that went on with King David. That's uh, right. So that's mentioned in First Chronicles. Um, Second Chronicles nine twenty nine mentions a similar thing about Nathan writing down um, stuff that was uh, happening in Solomon's day and age. So he he was a chronicler. He was a writer of events of history during the time. Um, now we don't have those writings. But yeah, Chronicles true. tells us that Nathan did write history down for yeah, Israel. Yeah, and so that's interesting, a, right? It's an interesting backstory knowing about who he is, what he did. And uh, it's perfect, I think, to kick off the start of this episode, just getting an idea of who we're talking about here. Yeah, right? absolutely. So uh, first big account we want to talk about uh, is when uh, David finally becomes <clears throat> the king and he's living in Jerusalem and mm -hmm. things are going well for him. We come to this account in 2 Samuel chapter 7, verses 1 through 17. And we want to summarize uh, this, this part of it. Basically, David is sitting in his amazing palace, and he's looking at the tabernacle where the Holy of Holies is. Yeah. And he goes, this isn't right that I'm in like this really <laughs> yeah. nice house, and God's still in a tent. I need to build a house for the Lord. I need mm -hmm. to build a temple to God, not just this tent we can keep taking down and putting up, right? Right, right. And what happens at first, Nathan says, do all that's in your heart, aka right. great idea, man. Wait, like, go that ahead. sounds awesome. Go for it. Yeah, that's what he's telling him. Go that's for right. it. That's a great idea. Of course we'd build a house for the Lord. Yeah. Who, who wouldn't want that, right? Mm -hmm. But then we have something that happens. That's right. God shows up to Nathan and he says, actually, I don't want David to build a house for me. Right. Ooh, like imagine being in that site. Like, that sounds great, bro. I'm an yeah. advisor to the king. And then God says, no, actually go tell him not to do that. I don't want to tell the king not to do that. <laughs> right? That's yeah, a tough yeah. position to be in. But but that's the thing that's cool about um, King David. He was just such a good king that he had this relationship with Nathan where he could take the criticism like that and then understand like, no, this is from God. This is the Lord's will. I'm going to do what God tells it. me to do. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And that was that was good. And we see that, that he does that. He he waits. He yes. says, okay, I'm not going not gonna to build the temple. Yep. And so, so Nathan comes to David, and um, this is what the Lord told Nathan mm -hmm. to tell David. So this is in uh, 2 Samuel 7, verse 12. Yes. It says, When your days are complete and you lie down with your fathers, I will raise up your descendant after you, who will come forth from you, and I will establish his kingdom. He shall build a house for my name, and I will establish the throne of his kingdom forever. So God is telling Nathan to tell David, hey, tell him that his son's going to build the temple for me, and I'll establish his kingdom, right? Yeah. And this is what actually happens in history. Solomon comes along and builds a temple for the Lord. Mm. Now, do you know the reason why David wasn't allowed to build a temple? They were waiting. 
They were waiting, yeah. They were waiting until Solomon came along, but it was mm-hmm. because David was a man of war, remember? Yes, it says that that's right. you, you, you've killed too many people. You're not like in a place of holiness to be able to build my temple. Yeah, in which hearing that, you got to think, that, that's got to be offensive a bit. A little bit, like it'd be, it, it'd be a letdown it. for sure, right? Well, well, that's what I mean. Yeah, yeah, like because hearing that, like, uh, like I'm thinking of uh, being in. If you were in David's shoes and you're thinking, okay, I'm, I've got this great inspiration to build a temple mm-hmm. because our God is great, which He is, and He deserves a permanent place of worship, not yeah. just this temporary tent that we're pitching up and down, like moving around. Which <laughs> is a good thing you want to do. Yeah, it's good. Very and good so thing. David had a good heart behind this. He had a good motivation, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, but the thing is, is he that wasn't his thing. He was a warrior, right? He was a warrior king, and so that's why he said, "No, you need to wait because that's that's just not your calling." Yep, that's not what I have right. for you. And so Nathan comes and tells him this, and then an interesting thing too that happens at the end of this uh, story, Second Samuel seven sixteen, um, God tells Nathan to also tell David this: "Your house and your kingdom shall endure before me forever." Your throne shall be established forever. Mm. And this is what's called the Davidic covenant. Um, This is where um, God is promising David that uh, a king will come from him who will reign forever. And that king is Jesus, right? That king is is related to David, and Jesus was the promised Messiah who would be the king who will rule in Jerusalem Mm -hmm. uh, forever and ever. So really cool that Nathan was um, faithful to go and talk to David, even though this is something that he probably didn't want to hear, right? Yeah, it's true. It's just, And that's something that's already off the bat something that we should look at as somebody who we should try to imitate, because what's cool is he's setting this example of being bold about what God's Word says and yep. telling his friend what they ne- what he needs to hear even if it may come, come across as like uncomfortable or be a little difficult because he's a king like that's yep. a, yeah that's a big deal and kings like to build stuff <laughs> they do like that's it's the thing like, i want to build i want to leave a legacy i want to do a yeah something. You, you look at kings uh, from uh, all different cultures you see they want to yeah. they want to build permanent things like in ancient history especially yeah. because in that was Egypt, the only way you could leave your yeah, mark yeah in israel yeah sure yeah and because the thing is they want to they want to leave like like the Egyptian kings, right? With, yeah. with the different dynasties, they want to leave behind art and statues and like big monuments to reflect their dynasty. Yeah, to That's show how did. powerful and how mighty they were. <laughs> yeah, and so we see that as a repeat thing. So of course, uh, I mean, this is something that makes sense. It's like David would want to do it. And you mm-hmm. know, again though, there's nothing wrong with his motivation behind it. He had no, a good not heart. not at all, yeah. That's the thing that's important to note here. It, this wasn't like a sinful, bad thing that he's no, building. No, it just yeah. wasn't what God had for him. Right. And, and so what I appreciate <laughs> about Nathan in this is that he really cared about David mm-hmm. and he really loved the Lord. Right. And he was a yeah. good friend to David. And a good friend will tell you what God's word says, even when you know it's not what they want to hear. Right. And I think that with apologetics, this applies to us, is we don't want to tell people what they want to hear. We want to tell them what's real. Right? Mm-hmm. We want right. to tell them God's word. We want to speak God's truth to them, uh, even if it's going to hurt their feeling, even if it's offensive. And now again... We, we say this all the time, you know, 1 Peter 3.15 is where we need to give an apologia, a defense, mm-hmm. but we need to do it with gentleness and respect. So we don't, we're not offensive in giving our defense, right? We don't, we're right. not overly jerks about it, but we still need to stand up for truth because really loving somebody means speaking the truth to them. There's that old analogy, right, about cancer. Mm-hmm. If you had cancer, would you want a doctor to tell you you had it or yeah. would you want him to tell you, eh, don't worry, everything's going to be fine? Yeah. You want to know what's real. You do. Whether yeah. you have it or not, and you need to deal with it. Even if you though, don't, you should. Yeah, <laughs> you should. Thing, yeah. Even if it's going to make you feel bad, mm-hmm. you have to deal with reality. And so that's one of the things that we see here with Nathan is he he loves God enough, and he loves David enough to tell David what God said, even when mm. he knew it wasn't something David would want to hear. Yeah, that's true. And I think that's huge for us as apologists. This is something we can learn from Nathan and how he dealt with David. Mm. Now, a couple other things. Um Nathan doesn't shy away from saying what God's word was, even if it might have offended David. Um, but because he was faithful to do this, the Davidic covenant gets established about having a ruler forever, which it's is true. awesome, right? Yeah. That's, this is like a big deal because if you remember, you know, God came to Abraham to establish a covenant, mm-hmm. right? God spoke to Noah to establish a covenant that he, he wouldn't flood the world again, right? But this time, 
God doesn't speak specifically to David about the covenant. Nathan that's gets right. to be the mouthpiece, which yeah, is really someone, an honor. There's someone in between here. Yeah. Yeah, and that's and it's cool. You just see like like Nathan just gets really blessed by going through with this. But not just through what the Lord does, but just the way like with the falling through the Davidic covenant, but on top of that, like you just see um, him and David's relationship and like the trust that's there yeah. just gets built. Yep. And uh, like, and then God just keeps piling on things after that with Nathan and his life and affecting him. And it's just cool. And we'll get to that. So Yeah, it is really neat to see. Right. So that's the first like big story of Nathan uh, yes. doing what God has called him to do even when it means telling the most powerful person in your country, you shouldn't do that, which I think is fascinating, right? Yeah, right. Now, the second big story uh, comes from 2 Samuel chapter 12. Mm. Um, now, the, the history of what's gone on here and the, kind of the setup to this is, you, if you're familiar with David's story, <clears throat> there was a huge, huge mistake that he made where he completely disobeyed God and um, did some horrendous, horrendous evils. Um, we're talking about Bathsheba, right? Yeah. So th- this is the general story of David and Bathsheba. Uh, he's in his house. He's lying on his bed during the middle of the day, which means he's taking it easy, <laughs> right? Yeah. And it, the, right. the passage starts off, and it says, when kings are supposed to go to war in the springtime, David was at home lounging. That's that's yeah. the idea. He's not where he's supposed to be, but all his <laughs> so men are. So that's already the first issue. Yeah. He should have been out at he war. He should have been out at yeah. war. All his men are, but he's taking it easy. Mm-hmm. And then he goes up on the roof and sees this woman bathing. He sends his men and says, hey, who is she? They say, you know, she's the wife of your servant Uriah. Uriah had been one of his trusted guys mm-hmm. going way back. He sends for her. Um, his men bring her to him. He sleeps with her and sends her back home. Um, what happens is she sends word to him and says, hey, I'm pregnant Yeah, by you. And my husband's been out at war for a long time, so he's not going to think it's his. Yeah, and like... Obviously, she knew it was through him because because her husband her was husband had been gone. So and then that's just the only way she could be pregnant. So it's yep. like yeah, huge crisis. <laughs> mm-hmm. So instead of David admitting that he did something horrible and asking forgiveness, he tries to cover up, right? Mm-hmm. And kings have the power to cover up. So he sends for <laughs> Uriah. Uriah comes back. Think about this: from fighting David's war, yeah. Uriah comes back. And David says, you're doing so much. Hey, man, this is really great. Come on in. Let's have a party. He gets him a bunch of wine. And then he says, why don't you go home and hang out with your wife? Yeah. And Uriah goes home and he sleeps outside because he says, how can I go and enjoy sex with my wife when, when my friends are all out fighting? That's not, that's not something I should do. I'm an honorable soldier. Which, which that alone, too. Oh. <laughs> that had to be yeah. like a like a dagger into David's yeah. side. Yeah, he's like... more honorable than King David was. Yeah, right. Yeah, and so he won't he won't go and sleep with her. So David's plan is ruined. So when he knows that this is the case, David writes a letter. Think about this. He writes a letter to the commanding officer, saying, "Hey, listen, when Uriah gets there, I want you to go to the front of the lines to fight, and once you're up front, pull all of the guys back except for Uriah and let the enemy kill him." Yeah. He writes this letter, seals it, and gives it to Uriah to deliver to the general. So Uriah is carrying his death sentence yeah. to the general, but he doesn't know what it says, right? He gets there. He gives it to them. This is what happens. Uriah gets killed. David uh, sets up a plot to have Uriah murdered, right? Yeah. To have him killed. Um, so, so this is the scenario. Then David takes Bathsheba as his wife with all of his other wives, moves in. She's pregnant. David doesn't think anything of it, doesn't really care. Then we get to this with Nathan, and this is something I'm like, man, Lord, I don't know if I could go through with what you asked Nathan to do. Yeah. This guy really obeys the Lord. So 2 Samuel 12, um, the story goes through verses 1 through 25, but we're just going to read some selections of it. Do you want to read that, Tyler? Sure, sure. From starting at verse 1 going through 25, it says, And the Lord sent Nathan to David, and he came to him and said, There were two men in one city, the one rich and the other poor. There were two men, uh, the rich man had a great many flocks and herds, but the poor man had nothing except one little lamb, which he bought, brought, bought and nourished. And then it grew up together with him and his children. It would eat his bread and drink his cup and lie in his bosom. And it was like a daughter to him. Now a traveler came to the rich man, and he was unwilling to take away from from his flock to his own herd, to prepare for the wayfarer who came to him. Rather, he took the poor man's lamb and prepared it 
for the man who had come to him. Then David's anger burned greatly against the man, and, and he said to Nathan, As the Lord lives, surely the man who has done this deserves to die. He must take, he, sorry, he must take, make rest, restitution for the lamb fourfold because he did this thing and had no compassion. All right, let's stop right there. So yeah. here's the story, right? The Bathsheba thing happens. Nathan gets mm-hmm. sent by the Lord to David, and he says, David, I want to tell you a story. There's a rich guy. He's got all of these lambs, frocks. Then there's this one poor guy, and all he had was one little lamb, and he loved it, and he cherished it, and it would, it would, you know, it was a family pet. It wasn't, it wasn't (laughs) livestock. It was a family pet. You know, they took it in their house, let it sleep in their bed, held it on its bosom, loved it like a daughter. And then a traveler came, and the rich guy was unwilling to give from all of the tons of, of of sheep he had. And he went and he stole the one thing this poor guy had. Yeah. That's, and that really gives you this whole picture of, of the story. Like it makes him out to be like a really bad guy. It's yeah. Like, oh, this is terrible. Yeah, this is terrible. And so remember what David did before he became a king? Yeah. What was he? Uh, oh, yeah, a shepherd. a shepherd. That's right. He was a shepherd. Mm-hmm. So sheep were a thing to David. Like he has yeah, fam- yeah. familiarity with yeah, this. Yeah, there was a lot of personal ways that David related to this story because he was a shepherd himself. And yeah. he, he probably even had his own personal favorite that he kept as like a pet or like, yeah. and he cared for it. Like, you know, like it, he understands um, the how like there would be a shepherd that would have a sheep that's special to them that you nourish. Yeah, you so he's probably yeah. thinking about, oh, I remember when I was a kid and I had my pet, whatever. You yeah, know? right. And right. how could you do that? Like that's a horrible thing to do when you have so much, mm-hmm. you're unwilling, and so you steal the other guy's one thing. And I love what it says. David burned with anger about yeah. this. He's that's unjust. That's so not right. That guy has got to pay back fourfold what he took. Because it's not just yeah. about the lamb; it's about the relationship that this guy had, right, with mm-hmm. his pet, and and the That's emotions right. behind it. So, I love that. So David, he doesn't know he's walking into a trap. Yeah, he doesn't realize. He thinks that this is a real story. Yeah, that this is something that has actually happened, and Nathan's reporting it to him. Yep. Yeah. And so he gets mad. Restitution must be made. So from David's lips, he's condemning the guy who did this. Yeah. And then what does verse seven say, Tyler? Yeah. And then Nathan said to David, "You are the man." Thus says the Lord God of Israel, it is I who anointed you king over Israel, and it is I who delivered you from the hand of Saul. And then in verse 8, it says, I also gave you your master's house and your master's wives into your care, and I gave you the house of Israel and Judah. And if that had been too little, I would have added to you many more things of these. Uh, Why have you despised the word of God by doing evil in his sight? You have, uh, you have struck down Uriah the Hittite with the sword, have taken his wife to be your wife, and have killed him with the, so- with the sword, the sons of Ammon. And now, therefore, the sword shall never depart from your house because you have despised me and have taken the wife of Uriah the Hittite to be your wife. Yep. So there we go. Right. This, and, and now, again, yeah. I want you to put yourself in Nathan's shoes. God comes to him and says, listen, mm. you know what David did with Bathsheba? You got to go confront him on yeah. it. Uh, I don't know if I'd really feel comfortable. Think about this. Yeah. He just had a dude killed because he wanted to steal mm-hmm. his wife. And you're telling me to go tell him you're wrong? Yeah. I don't want to get killed. Like, <laughs> I'd be a little freaked out about that, right? Yeah. This is an intimidating. Right. Like, we, we know the story, so we know how it ends. But it, think about Nathan. Like, he just had a dude killed. Mm-hmm. David's losing his mind. He's obviously not thinking correctly about yeah. life. But he goes anyway, tells him a story, and then David gets mad, and he says, that's you. You're the man. You're the guy who stole. You're the guy who did evil inside the Lord. You have all these wives. You have all of this, and you stole one guy's thing, and then you killed him. Yeah, and that's the whole idea here. As we're looking at it, we see that, like, obviously, and that's what God was saying through Nathan, is that basically David had a lot. He had a lot of wives. Yep. Right, and that he had tons of wealth. He was king. Yeah. And then not only that, God said that, um, look, if you were not satisfied with what I gave you, I would have given you more. Mm-hmm. That's interesting to think about. But right? you went out and stole. Yeah, yeah. But he yeah. went out and stole. But yeah. but like even just thinking about that one point alone, it's like if this was not a- enough for you, I could have given you more. Yep. Like like he just wanted Nathan. I mean, sorry, not Nathan. David to be honorable about this. But yeah. the thing is, he wasn't. He had to take what wasn't. 
his, and yep. then commit multiple sins to cover it up. Yep. And and, and then the flip side of it, because a lot of people will say, well, you know, what is with this polygamy thing in the Old Testament? It right, seems like right. God's fine with it. Well, he's not. That's true. Um, in Deuteronomy, um, which was the book that kings were supposed to rule from, it tells us in Deuteronomy that the kings, when they came into being the ruler, were supposed to hand copy the whole book of Deuteronomy. And that was what they were supposed to rule out of. Mm-hmm. In the book of Deuteronomy, it tells kings not to amass gold, not to trade horses with Egypt, and not to have multiple wives. Mm-hmm. And they all completely disobeyed that. So God isn't for polygamy. He's against it. Yeah. So think about this. Uriah is doing the right thing. He has one wife. Mm-hmm. Right? Uriah yeah, is doing true. the honorable thing. He's out fighting. <clears throat> Uriah obeyed the commands of God's anointed king. Yeah. Even delivering his 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 death sentence right. to the general, right? Okay. So that's what Uriah's doing. David's back here as the king of Israel who's supposed to uphold the law of God. Yes. And with this Uriah thing, he basically breaks all the Ten Commandments in one act. Yeah, because that's the thing. Like, of course, David's already sinning. I mean, it's not yes. like saying that like he was perfect up until this point. He wasn't. No, no, no. That's of the thing. Not. And so something to be aware about is like the the severity of this specific issue over him having multiple wives was that uh, like just how completely dirty and despicable this was yeah like like just being real like like yes it's horrible like and bad that he had multiple wives but then when you see he not only had a ton of wives he kind of went out of his way stole someone else's wife and then killed them and then covered it up that's a number of issues and it 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 just kind of like number of issues well like let's list them yeah okay number one Adultery, right? Number two, I mean, literally, don't covet your neighbor's wife. Yeah. Did. Uh Adultery. Covet your neighbor's wife. Lied about it. Mm -hmm. Don't bear false witness, right? Yeah, that's right. What else? Don't murder. Oh, yeah, that's a big one. Yeah, that was on his hands. Right? The other thing is, is he's supposed to be the law. Yeah. And he's using his power, because you, you couldn't have done this unless you were the king. You couldn't have sent men to uh, arrange this situation for And I'm you. sure the general was probably like looking at what this and he's like, why? What are you doing? Yeah. yeah but he, ha- he has doing? to obey. So now yeah. the national uh, military has become a cover-up operation for the lusts of the king. Yeah. Right? He, he's totally abusing all of the power that God's given him. Um, he just, he's, he's setting up false idols, right, before he wants, to, he wants to do something that's deplorable against God. On yeah. and on and on. He is not doing the correct thing. Yeah, and so, yeah. When- and so Nathan comes to him and just confronts it. Right. It's crazy yeah. to me. And now there's, some, there's a, a few um, um, curses, I guess, a few, yeah. uh, co- um, what's the word, consequences that come because of what David did. Right, um, God tells uh, David, number one, the sword will never depart from your house. Right, and and this mm-hmm. refers to in, internal strife among the royal family, which we see happen. Yes. Uh, David's son Amnon rapes his half sister Tamar, and then Absalom, who is Tamar's full brother, kills Amnon because David didn't do anything about this situation. Because how could right. he? He had no credibility because he raped Bathsheba. Yeah. So what is he going to tell Amnon? Like you shouldn't have done that. Why, Dad? Yeah. You did it. Right, he brought he brought just dysfunction into his family, and then Absalom thinks his dad is a horrible leader, so he tries to usurp his dad's authority, yes, which you can kind right. of see. Yeah, he was a pretty bad leader with his family, like he was. He was right. Yeah. He was doing these horrible things. So number one, the sword will never depart from your house. Uh, God through through Nathan tells David that all of his wives will be given to evil that arises from his own household, and that a person will lie with him in broad daylight, not in secret. You know, Absalom does this. Yeah, and that's another thing though too. We see in the New Testament in mm-hmm. like uh, qualifications for leaders or preachers yeah. and stuff like having your family uh, like in um, order. In order, that's an important thing. It really that's is something that's really talked about a lot. And having and so to and be David, a good leader, yeah. yeah. And David didn't do that. He didn't. So, yeah, and it's and then the third the third <laughs> uh, consequence is that the child that he conceived with Bathsheba was going to die, and then and then yeah. did die, right? That's so, right. a couple of things about Nathan. Um, he was a good friend to David because he set aside again his own comfort. I'm sure, <laughs> yeah. and he went and he confronted his friend when he was in sin. Right? Yeah, this would take right. a ton of courage to confront a king who just had a dude killed. Yeah. I think that that's crazy, right? Um, now, another aspect I think is really important, Tyler, is this aspect of the power of story. Think yes. about the technique that Nathan used. He didn't just go in guns a-blazing and yell at David's face, you're the man, right? Mm-hmm. 
He 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 taught him what he wanted him to understand through telling a story. Yeah. About a lamb and about a guy with a bunch, and right? And this is a huge point for us as apologists. Yeah. The power of story, using stuff that's important to the person you're talking to so that they mm. grasp what you're saying because there's emotion that gets tied to it. That's there's right. background that gets tied to it. This was awesome. And so I think that we can learn a lot from the power of story and how Nathan confronted David. Yeah, and with, with that, um, I mean, I, I know plenty of different sermon illustrations and stuff that we see today mm-hmm. of pastors who use the power of story in their message to get a point across. And um, I mean, even uh, personally, I I took a trip to Japan a few years ago. And what had happened was uh, during that week when I was out there, um, I was given an opportunity one, ni- one night to speak to a group of non-Christians who were there. Uh, I had a translator with me, so they were able to speak. But I had 30 minutes. And so I was thinking, I'm like, how, how can I integrate what's happening right now in the culture into getting uh, their attention mm-hmm. and helping them to understand the gospel? And coincidentally, while we were out there, um, there was this fireworks festival that was going on. And so what I did in turn, uh, I created a sermon illustration uh, to share the gospel with them based on fireworks. So Hmm. one year on 4th of July, me and some of my high school buddies ended up uh, getting in a fight with Roman candles, which is super dangerous. (laughs) I don't recommend it. Yeah, that's terrible, dude. That's a really dangerous thing. Yeah, but we had tons of fun. Um, and it made a great story, obviously. So, <laughs> But what we ended up doing, um, we were shooting the, the uh, firework Roman candles at each other, attacking each other and stuff, and just messing around. And then one of the fireballs had hit a palm tree and bounced off of it. And we thought, oh, shoot, it's going to catch on fire. This isn't going to be good. Like, what we need to be careful. And so then in turn, what had happened was we ended up um, uh, just saying, okay, well, should we stop? Should we like, be careful now that we see the warning sign. Hmm. We said, no, you know what? Let's just keep going. So we keep firing <laughs> back and forth at each other, and then a palm tree catches on fire. Oh, man. And we That's scurried, terrible. and we, we, ha- we, thankfully, after about, like, probably 20, 30 minutes of splashing buckets of water on it, running from my friend's house back and forth with water, we finally put it out. But then how I turned that around, I said to them, I said, you know, we were ignoring the warning signs that were placed before us about the fireworks. Are you ignoring the warning signs you're seeing about your eternal salvation? And Interesting. It, and then through doing that, there was this response. You could see them almost like, uh, like I can look into the crowd and I, like, of the people there, and I could see in their faces that they started to get it. And the reason why is because stories resonate with people. Yes. That's the whole idea of this. Um, and Nathan, he knew that. And you know, and we see later, Jesus does that too. Jesus does it all yeah, the time, he does telling it all parables the time. and stories. Yeah, yeah. And so, so the power of story is really important when we're sharing with people, even in uh, the use of apologetics. Absolutely. Of trying to help people to understand because see I didn't go in and tell them hey you are ignoring the warning signs you don't understand that salvation is important which some people take that approach yeah they do they just go in guns blazing it's much better story conveys truth really well and people get it we're made for story yeah right that's why people like movies so much that's why people like reading story like this is who we are and I think it's phenomenal that that was the method David took or Nathan took to confront David on the most heinous thing he ever did yes that's right David I want to tell you a story it's very and, interesting, yeah, right? Yeah, and that's something that we should be doing, right? Yes. I think that, again, this this just keeps building on the person of Nathan. We should be imitating him. Yep, Because uh, this, this is the method he took to being a loving accountability partner to, to David, his yes. friend. No, absolutely. Yeah. I think it's fascinating. I love looking at the, the courage, the boldness, the obedience of Nathan. Yeah, yeah. A good friend will confront you when you're in sin. He will. That's yep. something to be aware of. And that's something that you should do. You yep. should confront your friends when you see them in sin, but do so in a loving and gracious manner, right? Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. I think it's great. <laughs> well, hey, we want to take a little break from uh, the content right now to talk about our friend Matthew at SE Collective. Mm-hmm. Um, again, he made this awesome sign that if you're on YouTube checking out, you see behind us. And I just want to tell you a little bit about his uh, industry. Uh, There is something special about handcrafted furniture and decor that adds warmth and quality to your home, something factory-made furniture just can't compete with. SE Collective Design provides beautiful, custom-designed, and built pieces within Greater Phoenix, Arizona. Each creation is a work of art crafted just for you, using wood, metal, or a unique combination to truly meet any design needs that you have. 
Everything from signs to dining tables, they have the tools and the know-how to create one-of-a-kind furnishings. For more information and to see some of their amazing work, be sure to follow them on Instagram and Facebook or visit their website at secollective.com. That's S-E-C-O-L-L-E-C-T-I-V.com. S-E Collective, no E on the end of collective.com. Perfect. Yeah, please check out Matthew. Give him some love. Tell him you like what he's doing. And if you have any needs for uh, some cool signs, furniture, he is your go-to person for that. Yes, that's right. He does a great job. Yep. All right, well, back into talking about Nathan. Um, the, the third occasion where we see him very involved in what's going on in Israel comes from the book of First Kings, all right? Mm-hmm. So this is in 1 Kings 1, 11 through 39, uh, and I'm going to read uh, a few of these verses. We're not going to read the whole thing, but I'll start in um, 1 Kings 1, 11. It says, Then Nathan spoke to Bathsheba, the mother of Solomon, saying, Have you not heard that um, Adonijah, the son of Haggith, has become king, and David our Lord does not know it? So now come, please, let me give you counsel and save your life and the life of your son Solomon. Go at once to King David. Say to him, Have you not, my lord, O king, sworn to your maidservant, saying, Surely Solomon your son will be king after me, and he shall sit on my throne? Why then has Odonijah become the king? Behold, while you are still there speaking with the king, I will come in after you and I'll confirm your words. So Bathsheba went to the king in their bedroom. Now the king was very old, and Abishag, the Shunammite, was ministering to the king. Then Bathsheba bowed and prostrated herself before the king, and the king said, What do you wish? She said to him, My lord, you swore to your maidservant by the Lord your God, saying, Surely your son Solomon will be king after me and shall sit on my throne. Mm -hmm. Now behold, Adonijah is king, and now, my lord, the king, you do not know it. Right? Mm -hmm. Okay, so... Uh, David hears about this, then um, Bathsheba continues to explain what Adonijah is doing, how he's sacrificing, he's usurping his dad. This isn't the first time this has happened, by the way. Um, But David had promised that Solomon, the son of Bathsheba, would become king. Mm -hmm. Uh, Bathsheba and and David had Solomon after the first child had died, the child that was conceived in adultery died. This was another child that they had had, Solomon. So she explains to David what's going on, and then we're going to fast forward down to verse 32 through 37. It says, Then King David said, Call to me Zadok the priest, Nathan the prophet, and Benaiah the son of Jehoiada. And they came into the king's presence. The king said to them, Take with you the servants of your lord, and have my son Solomon ride on my own mule and bring him down to Gihon. Let Zadok the priest and Nathan the prophet anoint him there as king over Israel and blow the trumpet and say, Long live King Solomon. Mm. Then you shall come up after him and he shall come and sit on my throne and be king in my place because I have appointed him to be ruler over Israel and Judah. Benaiah the son of Jehoiada answered the king and said, Amen. Thus may the Lord, the God of my lord, the king, say, As the Lord has been with my lord, the king, so may he be with Solomon and make his throne greater than the throne of my lord, King David. So, Zadok the priest, Nathan the prophet, Benaiah the son of Jehoiada, and the Cherethites and the Pelethites went down and had Solomon ride on King David's mule and brought him to Gihon. Zadok the priest then took the horn of oil from the tent and anointed Solomon. Mm -hmm. Then they blew the trumpet, and all the people said, Long live King Solomon. Right. This is cool. Yeah. Right? So this is, now think about it. This whole scenario starts because Nathan instigates it. That's right. He goes to Bathsheba yeah. and says, here's what we need to do. David has no idea what's happening yeah, out there. It, He's on his deathbed. That's right. Let's get this sorted out. Yeah, and if he didn't do that, this might never have happened. It, it is probably... really interesting to think about, right? Yeah, yeah. Yeah, it might never have happened. I mean, it could have. It could have. But the thing is, is seeing, Nathan is the one who was willing to do what God told him to, which eventually yes. led to these events taking place. Absolutely. Yeah. Nathan, as a good friend, served the family of his friend. Mm-hmm. Right? He served the family of his friend. Nathan wouldn't sit by and let this coup take place because yeah. he knew that David had promised that Solomon would be king. Right? Bathsheba's son, Solomon, mm-hmm. would become a king. So there's a couple of things here. One is that a friend serves the family yes. of their friends, but also that a friend knows what their friends desire. Mm. Nathan knew what David wanted. He did. Right? So he says, listen, he's sick and feeble and he doesn't know. I'm going to step in and I'm going to help accomplish what my friend wanted. 
Yes. It's awesome to see that, right? So <clears throat> Nathan knew that Solomon was supposed to be the next king, and he instigates it to get it happening. He says, Bathsheba, go tell David what's happening. Yeah, and the thing is, like, like this wasn't a thing of um, ne- like necessarily of David doing something wrong. He didn't know what no. was going on. No, he had no idea He had no idea. Happening. And what's cool is Nathan is—he's not just a friend that goes there and, like, holds— David accountable when he messes up. Mm-hmm. He helps him out, right? Because that's the thing. David didn't know this was going on. He had no. to go and he had to talk to him. Yep. So that's cool. And that's the other thing. He's also put in another place, like probably an uncomfortable position because he's getting himself mixed into this family drama yes. over who the king is going to be. Yep. And so that's going to put a lot of pressure on him. And then who knows? Like, I mean, just being honest, like what if it turned out that it didn't work, right? Yeah. And, and no, then yeah, all of a sudden, the, the king who was still on the throne ends up getting upset at Nathan for trying to dethrone him. Yeah. And then he could have been executed. I mean, I don't know. I'm no, just, it's I, true. Like, it he, doesn't necessarily... he was putting his neck on the line for that's this. That's what I'm saying. Like, yeah. like, he's putting a lot on the line. And that's something to see that he cares enough about God's will, and he cares enough about David yep. to take care of him in that way. Even when David had screwed up royally. <laughs> yeah. Even when David was... I mean, again, he, he, he forgave him too, right? He kept yeah. walking with him. Yeah. He kept... Doing because he because Nathan knew the Davidic covenant, he's the one who told it to David. That's true, yeah. So uh, it's just fascinating to think about all that he did to to serve David and Solomon and their dynasty. So So, Nathan just did such a great job at being there for them, and it's it's crazy to see the impact that he made. It is well, and then you think about his name again, right? Yeah, his name means gift of God. Yeah. Man, this guy really was a gift in a lot of ways. I mean, even think about like the gift he was to Bathsheba. Mm-hmm. He didn't stand by idly when this woman was victimized by by a power hungry yeah. king. That's right. He stepped in and said, You're wrong. He he in a sense, now again, you think about Bathsheba losing her husband, right? Being raped by the king, then losing a child. Like she went through horrendous things yeah. because David wanted to fulfill his lusts. Yeah. And That's Nathan right. was the guy. Who stood by her? Nathan's the guy who came and said, "This isn't right. You can't do this to people." I'm sure she was completely comforted by him. And then he comes along with her again and says, "Listen, David promised your son you're going to have a dynasty through you, right? Yes. The king is going to sit on the throne, and we're going to make this happen. We're not going to let some other kid usurp this." That's yeah, just cool. I mean, he, he, he supported Bathsheba. Says, yeah. yeah, like because she went through a lot That's what a like, gift yeah. to her what a gift to solomon what a gift to david and to be honest what a gift to us right yeah that's right because through this promise jesus came jesus that's is right. a descendant of david who will sit on the throne uh forever and ever so the question that we have is you know are you a gift of god to people in your life that yeah that's how right. can we emulate nathan in our apologetic in our evangelism speaking truth to people even when it's something they don't want to hear but being loving and kind enough to continue a relationship yeah. with them yeah yeah right? but imagine if nathan didn't do any of this right mm. I'm, I'm just saying like i mean yeah god could have sent some other person in or something to sure take care of this but the thing is is nathan chose to follow through in the calling god gave him and because he was faithful to that he went ahead and he he stayed true to being there for David in the good times and the bad. Yes. And through that, he was blessed by, and honestly, the rest of Christianity was affected by it. And the yeah, history absolutely. of the church and the lineage of Jesus was all affected by this. Yep. And that's just great. That's a great thing. And it's something to think about. Like, how can, how are you able to affect someone's history, right? How can you, like, but by sharing truth into people's lives, change them for the Lord and give them, uh, tell them things that they need to hear, but might not necessarily want to hear. Yeah. Like, because that's just something that is so important. And Nathan saw the importance of that in David and he was faithful to God to share that. Yep. Now I think there's one other interesting aspect to this about Nathan. So David obviously had a lot of kids, Mm -hmm. right? But he had um, multiple children with Bathsheba, Solomon being one of them. Right. But he had others. And I want to read a, a passage from 2 Samuel 5, 14 through 16. It says, Now these are the names of those who were born to David in Jerusalem. Shamua, Shobab, Nathan, Solomon, Ibhar, Elishu, Naphig, Japhia, Elishama, Eliada, and Eliphalet. Um, 1 Chronicles 3, 5 kind of says something similar. It says, These were born to him in Jerusalem. Shemea, Shobab, Nathan, and Solomon. Four by Bathsheba, the daughter of Amiel. Mm. Now, okay, so think about this. Bathsheba and David name one of their kids Nathan. They did. Isn't that awesome? 
They respected yeah. this guy. This guy who called David out. This guy who told him, do not build the temple. Yes. Who are you? Who do you think you are? You're the man who yeah. stole this other they, guy's they, thing. They clearly named their child after him. They named their child yes. after him because Bathsheba knew he was supportive of him. David knew that he cared about him and spoke for the Lord on his behalf. And so they honored the prophet Nathan by naming one of their children after him. I think that that is just awesome. Yes, and then just like the cherry on top of all that mm -hmm. is that for God to fulfill the Davidic covenant and then pass on the lineage of the Messiah coming through David's bloodline, mm -hmm. Jesus came through the lineage of Nathan. Nathan, David's son. Not yep. any of other David's sons, it's through, through Nathan. Yeah, Luke 3.31 yeah. <laughs> gives us the lineage of Jesus through his mother Mary. So this is his physical lineage yes. in, in the Gospel of Luke. And Nathan, David's son by Bathsheba, is who Jesus was related to through Mary. Yes. Which I just think that's beautiful, right? So, so in a way, too, you got to think that's God also honoring Nathan. God honoring it's Nathan It's not just the David and yep. Bathsheba. It's uh, God honoring Nathan the prophet by letting the, the Messiah come through the child, the child that was named. named after him. Yeah, isn't that amazing? Mm. Such a cool, such a cool thing. Um, I think that Nathan was just an awesome, awesome guy. Yeah. And we can learn a ton from him when we go about approaching people to speak truth in love, right? Yeah. Because obviously David and Bathsheba respected him and loved him so much to name their child after him. Yeah, I think that's, that's right. awesome. That's right. And so, so how are you being a Nathan to, to people in your life, right? Mm -hmm. That's something to be thinking about is, uh, is. how are you affecting uh, the way that people are in interacting with the Lord? How are you, like something personally that I was dealing with um, this past week as we were preparing for this podcast, um, uh, I just felt like this compelling uh, calling from the Lord. It was like something weighing on me heavy uh, spiritually. And I just took the time while, while I was at work and I prayed, hey, God, I, I haven't had a spiritual conversation in a while. I haven't mm -hmm. been able to be a Nathan or someone who's been there for people in a long time. Uh, I've just kind of been going through the motions. I, and I asked, I was honest, I'm like, Lord, can you give me a spiritual conversation today? Mm -hmm. Like, let me have a spiritual conversation with someone. And I kid you not, at work, Within the next two hours, I had four spiritual conversations with coworkers. <laughs> That's awesome. I'm not kidding. I hadn't had a spiritual conversation with someone in months mm. just because life, it just caught up with me. I just sure. got busy. And then I thought, and then I think that the Holy Spirit was really weighing on me. It's like, you know, like I haven't been on top of that. Yeah. And so I prayed for it. I said, Lord, give me spiritual conversations. Not necessarily, not all of them were gospel related. Yeah. Uh, two of them were. But but two of them weren't, and but the thing is, is I just prayed for spiritual conversations, and yeah. God brought that to me. That's awesome. And so man. so that's so be praying. How can you be like Nathan, and how can you uh, be that person who is having these conversations, whether it's your coworkers, your family members? Because the thing is, people need to hear tough stuff sometimes, or they, they, they just need to hear truth. Yes, whether it's uh, positive or negatively affecting them. Because yeah, absolutely, the, the thing is, is like. We don't want to keep living in a delusion where we're constantly avoiding God's calling for us or yep. what's happening in reality. And the loving thing to do, and what Nathan saw was a loving thing to do, it was to share the truth mm -hmm. and to have spiritual conversations and talk about God's will with his best friend, right? And so um, I, I just share that as an encouragement to you, uh, to everyone listening, um, go out and make uh, make this a big deal. Like pray that God would give you the opportunity to present spiritual conversations. Mm -hmm. I mean, uh, just recently Kobe Bryant passed away. Yeah. And everybody's talking about it, right? Yeah. It's a big deal yeah. in our culture. Yeah. People are talking about death. People are talking about, uh, like what happens next? Because the thing is, is people are shocked by this because it was a shocking death, right? It was. Yeah. And so just, it's so easy right now, uh, to take the time to, open up with people about the afterlife and talk to them about spiritual matters. Say, mm -hmm. hey, what do you think like about Kobe Bryant passing away? Like that's tragic. And, yeah. like, and then he hear what their thoughts are and say, have you ever thought about like what happens to you after you die? And like see how 
natural that is. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> like that's the it's thing. It's an easy segue to talk <clears throat> about spiritual things. But is, I love yeah. what you said, Tyler, is we, but we need to be praying and asking God for the yes. opportunity and for wisdom because mm-hmm. we need to rely on the Holy Spirit in our lives yeah. to, to do what he's asked us to do. You know, there's been so many times I've forced spiritual conversations and it never turns out well. Yeah. I want to be directed that. into what I need to be doing and who I need to mm-hmm. be sharing with. And so, dude, I love that story. But yeah, you're absolutely right. We need to take advantage of what's going on in culture yeah. what people are thinking of to talk about truth with others. So I just love, uh, yeah, studying Nathan and seeing uh, the example that he yes. gives us. Mm-hmm. It is just, he's definitely a guy that we should study more, talk about more, and and glean application <laughs> from in our own lives. Yeah, so. yeah. This guy is someone who we definitely need to imitate. And so yes. I think this was just a super fitting way to um, wrap up our series on unsung heroes yes. uh, with Nathan. Just a cool guy, someone who we want to reflect. And um, and, and again, if you stuck with us through this entire series, thank you so much for listening and watching um, uh, our series on unsung heroes yeah. uh, because it's important to hear about these people, these lesser known figures in scripture who uh, don't get as much recognition uh, as they deserve because they really made an impact for the Lord and they did a lot of good work. And it's important that we um, ref- reflect on their legacy that they left behind and um, um, how they still can have an impact on us today. Yep, definitely. Also, um, what we're going to be doing for the month of February is we are going to be showing some love to guests that we have on our show, people that we respect, apologists, pastors, that we want you yes. to know about. So make sure you stay tuned. For the whole month of February, we've got guests lined up who are going to be on the show, uh, and uh, you're not going to want to miss it. We are going to have a great time talking with some of these people and showing you um, and 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 um, allowing you to understand and, and know about what they're doing and how you can get involved. So we always want to be showing um, what other people are doing for the kingdom and elevating yes. them so that uh, we can bring uh, awareness to, to what they're doing. And, um, man, we're going to learn so much. I'm really looking forward to this next month. Yes, it's going to be so exciting. And then um, just all the guests that we're talking to and um, the love that we're sharing with each other and communicating about the gospel and apologetics. Yep. It's uh, just going to be super exciting. So it will you don't want to miss it. Yep. We also want to, one last time, draw your attention to our bro Matthew's yes. sign at SE Collective. Make sure you go check out sccollective.com for all your home furnishing needs, signs, tables, whatever you want. He can make it. So make sure you check him out. Well, hey, thanks for listening so much today to Christ Culture and Coffee. Again, this podcast, this vodcast, yeah. this, this whole thing is about being able to equip Christians to be confident in their faith and to be able to go out and to share their faith with other people. That's what we want to do. So we're glad you're watching. We're glad you're listening. And we hope to be an encouragement to you. Stay tuned for next month as we dive into all of these great interviews we're going to have with some very special guests. Yeah. Thanks for listening to Christ Culture and Coffee. We'll catch you guys next time. Thanks for listening to Christ Culture and Coffee. If you liked this episode, please rate, review, and subscribe to help us reach more people.